This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns Film Breakdown podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, here's a quick word from the fellows over at That's Good Sports. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR. Coming at you guys on what is a uh, probably a somber Monday. I'm doing this podcast at 1.31 is what this oven clock next to me says here on, I guess it's now Monday morning. You'll probably listen to this on normal hours of Monday morning. Um, But we're going to do a similar concept to what we did uh, last time, which is I'm just going to kind of take you through thoughts of this game, numbers, uh, statistics, some of those things, and uh, just sort of talk through how it all how it all shook out, which is which was pretty a pretty frustrating endeavor. Um, you know, coming into this game, I think everybody thought, at least from the Brown side, this could be a blowout because they're missing the entire secondary. Comes out, you know, just hours before that, uh, you know, Rashard Higgins is is going to be out, which was seemingly unexpected. Hadn't heard much yet about that, and then. Uh, kind of confirmed that neither of the starting corners, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, will be playing. Demarius Randall had already been ruled out. Morgan Burnett gets ruled out, and it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You, you, you're playing a team in the Rams who have one of the best structures for confusing secondaries and confusing second-level players, and, and uh, you know, for the Browns to be missing that player, you know, missing those players, those key defensive cogs, and then obviously missing Higgins and then missing uh, Hubbard, the right tackle, it just seemed like it was going to be an uphill fight all night, but uh, the Browns showed up. They showed up and played hard. I thought defensively they they overwhelmed uh, they overwhelmed the Rams at times and played extremely fast, extremely hard, and it uh, it showed a team that was willing to be scrappy and a group that was unwilling to just give in to the NFC champions of 2018. And I was, you know, I leave impressed with that. the The, the final score sucks, um, but. There, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you my musings, which is I, I don't think they're – I, I feel like it's a juxtaposition. I feel like they're not entirely too far off, but they also feel like on the offensive side of things, they were so far off. I, let's, let's do it this way. We'll break it down how they played the Rams. The Rams ran for 90 yards, which is an impressive endeavor for them. They held Gurley to only 43 yards on 14 carries. No touchdowns. No rushing touchdowns involved in this game. Robert Woods had a couple – uh, a couple runs, I think a jet sweep and then a reverse for 18 yards. Goff scrambled for 14 yards. Looks surprisingly uh, solid runner. Cooks had a run for 8 yards, and then uh, Malcolm Brown had a run for 7 yards. Nothing crazy. Goff was 24-38, 269, two touchdowns, but they turned him over twice. They had two interceptions. Actually, they turned him over three times. They had, they had the strip sack. So, like, yeah, they throw for 270 yards, but they turned him over three times. And, uh, and that should be enough to, to win a football game. You know, the, the, both teams were uh, pretty similar offensive plays, 64 for the Rams, 63 for Cleveland. The Rams did gain one more yard per play, but the Browns outrushed them. Uh, the Rams uh, had seven penalties. The Browns had eight. They had three turnovers. I mean, to have three turnovers to the you know Browns won on the final play, it should indicate that, uh, you know, that, that, that you, should, you should win a football game for Cleveland. Both teams only converted six of, of their opportunities on third down, six of 14 for the Rams, six of 16 for the Browns. It's just uh, more more offensive output in the passing game is really the difference. Cooks and Cup, uh, I mean, Cooper Cup had 11 catches for 102 and two touchdowns and uh, killed killed Cleveland, near, especially near the goal line, especially uh, big goal line situations, third, uh, third down and goal, a couple touchdowns, one on a – just an out where he he sells a quick inside jab that beats TJ Carey for their first touchdown opening drive of the second half and then and then the uh, the the drag there on third and goal I think third and like five or six they were out of the goal line there but yeah Cooper Cup was a problem Browns defensively it's pretty split TJ Carey played his butt off had an interception seven tackles uh, Miles Garrett had uh, you know a sack strip sack important sack Larry Ogunjobi had a sack Joe Schobert had six tackles. Uh, covered really well. I thought he played his butt off. I Eric Murray played well. Mac Wilson even thought played. And Justin Burris for just joining the team again. He played really well. Had four tackles. He had an interception, obviously on off Schobert's tip. Other than that, um, you know, because we're going to spend so much time kind of going through this and talking about the offense. I just uh, the only problem I see defensively is Jermaine Whitehead. That guy just continues to make knuckle knucklehead plays he is another roughing the passer yeah there was a holding on that play that nullified it anyway whether that was called or not but he he just hits Jared Goff for no reason and it's like he week one hits Mariota on a rollout for no reason and you're seeing why this guy can't stick anywhere in Green Bay throws a punch in the middle of the season against the Patriots and gets cut after the game I mean they you know, habits are habits this guy is a, a an undisciplined football player so to think that this is just going to change it's it's not going to happen. So he's the, you know, I get it. They're shorthanded. He was playing when they were healthy. Everybody was healthy from week one. This guy's playing a significant amount of snaps. I get it. He's forced into action. But his grade of, I think his grade I, I had heard from, from somebody I know works at Pro Football Focus was under 30 for the game. I mean, he was a problem. He was who they attacked. And it's like they played this guy when they, you know, had a healthy, complete rotation back there defensively. So it's like, I, I don't know. Just I would end that experiment altogether right now. And, um, yeah, that's it. Let, let's just kind of go by, uh, you know, drive by drive. 
the first quarter, uh, I thought I thought Cleveland started out sluggishly. Um, you know, they get a penalty, two penalties. All of a sudden, it's third and eighteen. They don't complete. They try to complete a, sc- a screen pass, which, you know, as an offensive coordinator, when 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 things go awry or you put yourself in negative situations, third and longs, second and longs, whatever, you have a tendency to call call a screen pass. And while it worked, the Browns. Uh, on, the, on one of their touchdown drives there in the second half, they found the answer through a screen pass. They, 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 you can't just keep going to that anytime it's long down in distance. By the end of the game, the Rams were practically calling out screens and kind of became embarrassing. It's almost like a play caller who can't figure out anything else to run, and uh, you know they just keep calling the same play. So um, you know, Browns punt, Rams get it, they go three and out. Browns get it back. No first down again. They they have a nine yard run. They run identical formation. Yeah, second and ten, they get a nine yard run. They have an identical formation, and they try to run the same scheme. And Aaron Donald swim moves. You know, if people are like, well, if they block it, well, okay, I get that. You, you know, I want them to block it too. But if you line up in the same formation in, in a defensive line or linebackers feel that hey, this is going to be the same play. They know that the guard is going to take his first step right in the zone scheme, and he's going to swim move him, and that's what Aaron Donald did. It's a two-yard loss. Again, those runs are coming from the gun. The Browns have no under center rushing success or even field, to be honest. Um, Rams get it back. They go down the field. I think this is where they get they get a uh, 53-yard field goal. This is this is I'm going to cover this now. Something I tweeted out. Is, is offensive identity. And I think this is the biggest thing to say. Yes, this game was close. Uh, this game, you know, felt close. But the difference between when you watch, say, the Rams, when you watch right now the Ravens, the 49ers, um, you know, some of the offenses who have been at least, at least been clicking or they have minds who are pretty sharp, uh, they, they have an identity. Like the Rams' identity is we are a single back, wide zone team, and everything we do is based off of that. So we want to beat you. Our bread and butter, our, our, our go-to play is wide zone. And some teams might do everything they can to take it away, which is what the Browns did, which is what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl, and then they counter it. So they want to run wide zone, and then they started running some sort of tight zone off the left guard, where a bubble is created by the alignment. So this is this is what their answer was, and they ran the ball better in the second half. But my point is, they have an identity. They they run these schemes so much; it's ingrained in them. And 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 this this thought process is: we run this stuff so much, the Browns know they rep it all week. This is what we have to take away to take away the wide zone. We cannot let them beat us by running wide zone. With Gurley, we can't let him. So you, you, you sort of you, the back of your mind as a as a as a defensive player, you you always are conscientious of that wide zone. So they do everything off of that. They run jet action, sweeps, fakes, all this different stuff that has backfield action of the zone, and you're sort of conscious of the jet, and then you you get these play actions. And if you watch, the play actions are so good that it holds the defensive line. Almost every time, and you wonder why there are these these gaps downfield because the Browns are playing zone often, and it's just they, they have a way of attacking a defense with the scheme principle, the identity that they have, and um, 
everything builds off of that and you can create plays off of that. Once you find success running one of those plays, then you can create other opportunities through in-game adjustments and stuff like that. Hey, we're really killing them with this mid-zone play. Let's play action it and let's drag over top of their outside linebacker. We're going to send our, our number two in the slot over the top. But they have the... As, as somebody who's called plays before, you have to have a base, something you can go to to get some yards, and then everything you do builds off of that. Now the Rams get in the gun and they do different things, but like that's their base, and the Browns don't have a base. They don't have anything. They, you know, the, 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 the Ravens are a, a zone read, pistol zone team, and they're going to do zone reads off of it. That's the base. They're going to beat you with that. They're going to beat you with tight zone blocking. They're going to do some things on the perimeter, but everything is based off of that, and that's how you have to stop the Ravens. Or, the, or Shanahan, if you remember when he was here in 2014, he would call the wide zone stretch stuff, and he would play action bootleg off of that all the time. And that was the base. You, you need a base. The Browns sort of developed a base last year with some of those zone principles and then were able to use some of those principles, use them in the gun, and then use them for quick exchanges and play action, max protection play action schemes that were beneficial for the long developing routes. But the Browns now don't have a base. They have, I mean, they, they're running some RPO stuff for success, but to, to run uh, run pass option, you have to have a consistent run that threatens them. And I think that stuff started to dry up because the Browns don't have a consistent run. They started to run wide zone effectively a little bit. Um, and, and I don't think the Browns are running like from the gun. It's, so your quarterback is like the running back's moving lateral. So it's it's sort of a, it looks like a stretch from the gun. And I think that they run that effectively because their line moves pretty well. But I don't know. They don't run any play action that bases off of that consistently. I just don't know what their base is. I don't know what their identity is. And you need an identity. Yeah, like, they were in the game. That's fine. The Rams only put up 20 points. But yeah, the Rams threw some footballs away. Like, they could have scored more. It, it, just to me, you have to have an identity. People all talk about all the time, like, Air Coriel and Air Raid. And, like, that's cool. And a lot of the schemes fall under those principles, but you need an identity as to what you do to build off of other things, to to use what I call scheme mirroring, to to get some deception. The Browns don't have any deception. You know, you watch Tennessee Week One, or you watch. You know, I throw the Jets out the window because they're just so beat up. But if you if you watch tonight, the Browns pass rush, which only got two sacks, and they very rarely truly pressured. And moved Goff a ton off of his spot. They did some because the Browns have fantastic athletes and, and Miles and, and Sheldon and, and Vernon and some of those guys. But like the Rams were always kind of felt in control. They were going to have to beat themselves, which they did a couple times. But you know the Browns are just sort of in the gun. They're in they're in five wide or they're you know in empty sets or whatever. And it's like they're just they're just letting their offensive linemen in retreat mode get beat up. And as an offensive lineman, when the defensive line knows, and these are these are tight games. It's not like the Browns are down tw- you know, 20 points. If you're just letting the defensive line just pin their ears back and come out, it's hard to protect. It's really hard, and it makes it even more difficult. And it's just like, you know, I don't know what they're going to do to combat this, but they need some sort of run threat that is serious, a scheme that is serious. And it's probably too late to, to try to do that. So I don't know what they're doing. How they're going to change this is... It's just fascinating. So kind of back to the point at hand. We're still in the first quarter. The Browns get it back. They, they seem to establish some sort of running consistency. They hit an RPO to Odell for 12. Uh, they hit a couple quick throws to him for 12 yards. And then the quarter ends into the first quarter. Second quarter, um, 
you know, they move the ball down toward the goal line. I think they get it first and goal from the nine, I believe, and uh, run for a couple yards, a couple yards again, and then they miss it. They miss a throw to Beckham on a heave, a rollout heave, and it's field goal time. So, three three, the second quarter. Um, you know, and the second quarter's highlighted by a big play by. Um, you know, Miles Garrett strip sack right before the end of the half, which was just a fantastic effort, and you know you should be applauded for that. He, you know, reaching that hand in. He he needs to continue to make those kinds of uh, big momentum swinging plays and a great effort by you know Joe Schobert to pick that up and run with it. But but for I I, I need this happened last year. The Browns defense. Um, Pittsburgh, if you recall, Schobert picks off that fumble, whatever they determined it after Avery hit Roethlisberger there in overtime or whatever it was, and um, nobody finds somebody to block. Like in that game, all of the players were out in front and kind of throwing their arms in the air like it was going to be returned, and it, he gets tagged. The same thing happened with Schobert. I would love them to figure out that when 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 one of their guys are returning an interception or a fumble to hey, maybe I should turn around and find somebody to block instead of running out in front of him with my arms in the air for a photo. It's just kind of like it annoys me a little bit because the same thing happened. Anyway, Browns get it back, um, you know, right before right before the half there and have four dead plays because they just can't protect. They're unwilling, you know, Mayfield's unwilling to, to just sort of take what's presented to him. He's kind of trying to shoot it downfield 18 seconds and, and they don't move the ball at all and, and end up kicking a field goal. But they're going up 6-3. So, before we get through halftime, talk to you about Harry's Razors. We use Harry's Razors on the show. We really believe in what they're doing over there, and uh, you need to get over there. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. I'm telling you, do it. Their founders are just two regular guys, tired of getting ripped off, paying for those overpriced razors. So they decided to build quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund this summer. Fresh your wallet and your face with Harry's Trial Set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip, and a trimmer blade for a close shave, and then a rich lather shave gel that will leave you smelling great. The travel blade cover also comes with that to cover up your razor, and it's easy on the go. Listeners of this show, this show, Brown's Film Breakdown, can redeem their trial set. Harry's.com slash BlueWire. Make sure you go to Harry's.com and then put in there slash at the URL bar. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support Brown's Film Breakdown. Please do it. Also, want to talk to you guys about what's going on in my bookie. You know me. I talk to you guys about gambling. I don't do well with it, but when I do use it, I go to my bookie. Okay? It's the end of a hard week. Maybe you didn't do well in fantasy this week. Maybe your fantasy team already sucks, and you just want to win some money in another endeavor somehow else. Go to my bookie. That's the place to go. Game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, whatever. Running backs racing down the sidelines, no one to stop them. There's nothing like the NFL. You know, you guys, like I said, you got your fantasy teams. Maybe they're not going all too hot, but this is a way you can make some money back. Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag, not .com, .ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do at mybookie. So go to get the fastest payouts and the best lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, when you're betting, it's just as important who you're betting on as to know where you're betting at. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. Okay, So join them. All you got to do, put in the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all you got to do. Go to BLUEWIRE. Or sorry, use that promo code BLUEWIRE. All you got to do, go to mybookie.ag. 
put in their blue wire. They're going to match your deposit. They're going to actually, I'm not going to say match, they're doubling your deposit. Put in their 50 bucks, they're going to double it to 100. It's worth your time, guys. Trust me, mybookie.ag, put in blue wire. You play, you win, you get paid. Go there now. So, back to the game. Come out of halftime, Rams, um, they figured it out. They said that the Browns are taking away wide zone from us. It's not working. Let's go back to uh, running in between the tackles. They ran down the field. They ran a 10-play, 75-yard drive, uh, you know, mixed it up, used some play action. And then, um, you know, the big play coming on third and 11, third and 11, which was third and goal, it was Cooper Cup's touchdown there in the left corner, a nice timing route. And, uh, you know, I knew, I knew that there were going to be parts of this game where the Browns secondary caught up with them. This was one of those endeavors. So it's uh, all of a sudden 10-6 Rams, and you're like, I know the Browns got to score. How are they going to do it? They eventually get to, on their next drive out, they run for a couple first downs, third and 13. This is one of those screens. They just catch the Rams in the right situation. Um, they're blitzing off the left side. They dump off a screen, and it turns into 16 yards. Browns got lucky there, and then um, you know they, they end up – uh, from there, they, they do get, I think that's a 30-yard gain, and then they run, a, an, I think they run a play-action scheme opposed to Landry, which was not pass interference. I don't know how it was a phantom call. The Browns never seemed to get those, but they did. Puts it on the one-yard line. Next play, touchdown run, Nick Chubb, but he, he, the rule is important to understand. If you're putting a guy in motion and they don't cross the tackle line, meaning like a jet sweep, whatever, they have to come set. That's on the quarterback. He cannot snap the football until he notices that wide receiver set. He snaps it. Um, that's that's an illegal motion uh, penalty because you have to come set if you're outside the tackle box. Uh, but the, the next play, uh, an incomplete pass, and then I think they got it to the two-yard line, and then on third and two ran a little play action dump off to, to, to the back pylon. It was nice to see them use run action when they were inside there on, on the uh, – you know, goal line situation. So there you go. It's thirteen to thirteen to ten at that point. Nice little, nice little pitch and catch. You know, it's like it's what you want to see, but it it wasn't pretty. They got um, you know the first three plays of that drive on third and short. They had to have a nice double catch there, where Damian Ratley makes a heck of a play uh, on tight coverage where a ball was tipped and he caught it off the tip. And then some things had to go their way, but they got down the field and scored. So credit is due. Like I said, that makes it thirteen ten. Late in the third, uh, the Browns actually do. They get an interception uh, from uh, from TJ Carey, a hell of a diving interception, set up near midfield on the 49, and this is your three-play sequence. Browns go with a run up the middle. Couldn't tell you what it was off the top of my head. Another runoff right tackle. Can't establish anything. It's third and eight, and then an uh, incomplete pass over the middle. Mayfield just misses Landry uh, o- o- over the you know kind of deep left part of the field. He just missed him, and... Uh, there's just a, an opportunity blown. The Rams give you a turnover, and they can't figure anything out with it. So Rams get it back in the third quarter. They get the ball, uh, push it downfield, a couple big chunk plays, and uh, I think they end up with an eight-play, 72-yard drive. They get down to the one-yard line, run a quarterback sneak. That play stop, full start. Nice little shift by Sheldon Richardson and um, – it's third and six, and then they, they just run from, from a bunch set. They just run a drag by Cooper Cup and Jermaine Whitehead in one of his just terrible endeavors. Tries to jam him and fails to jam him, and then just it's so easy. It was such an easy drag. Whitehead was seven to eight yards behind him. 
Uh, couldn't help but shake my head on that. Browns get it back. Uh, they come out early fourth quarter. Get a first down. Actually get a couple first downs. March it all the way down to LA's 40. Hit, hit a nice little uh, you know, ball to Beckham for 19 yards. And it's uh you know, it's third and nine. They they try to run a screen pass. Their fourteenth screen pass of the night. No gain. And then they come out on fourth and nine. There there's nine nineteen still on the clock. I don't know what the hell this was. This is an all time bad play call. I, I'm uh I'm at a loss for words. I don't want to be, you know, an asshole about it. I don't know what they were thinking, what Freddie was thinking. I thought that they were just going to try to get them to jump, but if you get them to jump, it's kind of pointless. That only makes it fourth and four. If you don't trust that you can throw the ball on fourth and nine and you're too far out to kick the field goal, just punt the football and try to bury them inside the 10-yard line. What are you doing? They decide to... They decide to run a draw that gets two yards on fourth and nine. It was one of the all-time – Cleveland's had a lot of these. They've had a lot of coaches that do just do dumb things. This is up there with them. It, it might be the worst decision I've seen. I, I, I don't have an answer for it. It's an all-time bad one. And it's really one of those that makes you say, is Freddie Kitchens in over his head here? Because it just, it really feels like it. And, and you, don't, you don't like feeling like that. And uh, – Anyway, the Rams get it back and they and they go down and 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 end up kicking a field goal and it's 2013, a nine play drive, roughing the passer happens on that that drive and it just starts to feel desperate and I don't know six minutes left. Browns get it back and uh, they have to take it at their ten yard line because of a, a block in the back penalty. Um, I, why prefer special teams coach decides that we need to take all of these kicks out of the end zone and, and we need to return it. Just kneel the football and, and get it at the 25. This isn't hard. Like you, there's so many bad things that can happen on a kick return. Just kneel the football and take it at the 25. It's not difficult. Well, anyway, you get a sack. You know, you get a sack for seven yards on the first play. Seven yard run, third and ten. You take another eight yard sack. Starting to feel really desperate. You kick it back uh, to to the Rams, who on third and three run play action, and and uh, you know Joe Schober just makes a hell of a diving play to get a hand on the ball with 2:54 on the clock. Burris picks it off. Chobert actually inadvertently tackles him, which kind of sucks because he could have returned it further. But nonetheless, Browns get it back. First play out, um, you know, short little run, then a negative nine-yard sack. Um, but you get bailed out because of an illegal contact penalty. So first and ten right before the two-minute warning. Now you turn the corner on the two-minute warning. You get a false start, second and 15. But then you get a 27-yard and a 16-yard throw from, from, from Baker where he really – like, I thought all night with Mayfield, and I'll write more about this later in the week, but when he actually had the confidence to step up in the pocket and drive the football, he was good. He was effective, and he was accurate, which is what he's known for. And um, those were the few throws where it felt like he had a, a, a you know a window to step into throws and complete them. Now, you get a roughing on that 16-yard pass, which makes it first and goal inside the four. They have three. This is the important processing of the night. Uh, I've cut up I've cut up these four plays and um, I, I I don't have any so okay 
the first play out, they come out and empty. It's 11 personnel and empty with a back out split wide and a tight end in the slot. And uh, the Rams heat him up. They bring they bring seven people to pressure him, and he tries to throw a, a little seam shot to Landry, and it, it, it's too it's thrown too hard. Landry has no shot. And then second down, they run. They have a two by two set. They motion so the short side of the field is to the right. They they motion Landry left or right. They already have Nick Chubb in the backfield. On Mayfield's right, and then they 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 run a sort of flood scheme, a flat route, an out route, and a corner route by their three guys to the right side, and they roll Mayfield. I'm not a fan of sprinting out and goal line because you eliminate half the field instantly. You bunch everything up, which it's already bunched up down there. You eliminate half the field. They they decide to try to roll him out to the motion side and to. The, the the running back side it's like the defense is keying in on all it was so there were like seven rams and a five you know a five yard lateral radius and it's like this was never going to work it was such a terrible play call it gets tipped they're lucky it doesn't get intercepted third down they come out they actually run a scheme that makes some sense they they they're again in their empty set 11 personnel and they run a, a vertical by by uh you know Demetrius Harris up the up the seam that's who Mayfield sets to throw on. I, I I know Baker mentioned this in his post-game presser. He's going to be sick, and he is going to be sick because they ran a little drive, quick slant right underneath Harris's vertical, and uh, and Jarvis Landry's open for a catch and touchdown, and, and that's third down. It's incomplete, and then fourth down is just a debacle. They're running empty again, and they run. I, I, they didn't even key Odell the whole time on this this goal line set. He he he's on the left in the slot. They run a square, and the two guys who are bunched outside look like they're maybe running like a pick play. So they end up in the same location because the Rams are just running, you know, two man. They're just running man to man, and then have two safeties who are roaming. And um, and you know perhaps Mayfield. I, I want Mayfield to be able to step up and occasionally run up the middle. Like uh, you'll see a still frame of this picture, and it's like. He's got room. If he wants to try to run up the middle, he should on that play. And he really should in general. Like the Browns would benefit on short down and distances if he would be able to escape up the middle and run for some first downs. Like he needs to have that as a part of his game. He's not running at all. And I don't want him to run often, but he needs to run like Goff did. Like run for some first downs occasionally. Um, but he gets, you know, he escapes outright and kind of throws a desperation. Through. I, I don't know. That That's it. It's an interception. I, this offense is broken. I don't know what to tell you. People are gonna. People, you, everybody asks me, is Monk in there? I don't know. I don't know who the issue is. I don't know who's listening to who in that coach's office. Seems like Freddie's taking the. He's the one taking all the blame, and he should. But it's like you know, you're you're the problem, so you should take the blame. And that's cool, like pat on the back. But you got to fix this, man. Like if you're listening to Todd Monken too much why are you doing that? Or, or if Monken's not being listened, like that guy's run offenses that have been successful at different levels of football and in the NFL. So it's like, they need to figure it out. They have guys who have been successful with it. They they just have to figure out whatever that mesh needs to be. If Freddie needs to shut the door and do it all himself, if he needs to just hand this offense off to Monken, 
I don't know what that answer is. And, and, and people can't pretend, I can't pretend, so I'm hoping other people don't pretend to know what that answer is, but they have to find it because they have no identity, they have no sense of structure. And I keep saying the three people who are deciding on, on how plays are going to be executed and called between Kitchens, Monk, and Mayfield, they don't seem to be on the same page because Baker's drops, are too, sometimes they feel too deep uh, in terms of what the tackle pass set is, how deep the tackles are pass settling, pass setting and, and, and how their angle works. Like if you're setting deep, tackles are going to drop deeper. If you're setting at three, you know, then tackles are going to have shorter drops to keep that pocket sort of curved. Like there's a there's a preaching point about how that pocket works. Everybody's on the on a different page. And there's just a breakdown happening on almost every single play. They don't seem to focus on the minor details. I, I don't know, but I do know it's broken. And that's really surprising because Nobody wanted Freddie to leave because they thought he had a feel for how this would all work. Perhaps Freddie's just doing this whole thing in an afraid nature, an afraid approach because it's 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 not just I'm going out and free gunning an, an offensive coordinator job like I'm really the head coach and this matters more. I don't know. I don't I don't know any of it. But what I do know is that like I've been saying, it is it is broke and you're not getting. Anything close to what you were getting out of your young quarterback in Mayfield, and um, you know you traded for Odell Beckham, you gave up a lot of capital to get him, you're paying him a lot of money, and while they're targeting him a lot, I just <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to do, and the structure with which their 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 whole plan here is based is not functioning right, and they have a good a good team in Baltimore coming in next week that they're going to have to figure out how to score, and um, I, don't, I don't know. My brain's mush. It's 2 a.m. Um, they got to get better, and they got to figure out what the hell their identity is and, and, and have ways to branch off of different things they do that actually confuse a defense. They're not doing any of that. They're running into defensive hand, you know, the defensive scheme's hands, and it's just not working, and it's frustrating to watch. I think I tweeted it out, like, the biggest thing that was – you know, cool to me was that last year, weeks 9 through 17, it felt like the Browns finally had this coaching advantage. They were scheming things. It was. It felt like these guys are smarter than who they're, you know, the, the, the defense they're going against. They actually were confusing people, and we got the coaching advantage. And it just felt different. And it felt different because of Freddie or somebody there. I don't know. If Ken Zampisi was coaching Mayfield on – on thought processing and how to work within a pocket and all that stuff, there's something missing. I don't know what's missing. Why Mayfield's pushing out to the right? Uh, all you know, he kept escaping to the right and he's just dead plays. I don't know. I don't. His coaching, you know, maybe Ken was a really good designer and scheme. Like there's this idea that there's some guys who are really good behind the scenes, who are really good at designing plays, figuring out tendencies the defense has, drawing it up on the whiteboard, but they just can't call it on game day. Was was somebody else doing that? I don't know. We're not going to have that answer. I don't know if we'll ever have that answer. But I know there's something missing this year, and it does not in any way feel like the year previous. So it's tough to feel like what was going on 9 through 17 was really Freddie's baby because it doesn't feel like that this year. And I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of speaking bluntly that if it keeps up, the status quo doesn't change there's going to be a really tough Rod Chudzinski-like decision to be made here. And I don't – listen, man, it's three weeks in. It's early. 
they could figure this all out, dominate the second half of the year in nine and seven, ten and six, and make the play. I, it's so early, but what I know is what I know, and I know that the status quo is not working for them offensively right now. Shout out to Steve Wilkes switching up looks and confusing, you know, confusing golf and playing shorthanded. Hell of a job, man. That was great defense, and uh, he deserves praise. But offensively, it's a wreck, folks, and like. They've got to figure it out, and they've got to figure it out soon because there are some tough games coming up. And uh, if they they don't figure it out, they could be looking at a one and five, one and six start, and it's it's damn near impossible to to, to dig out of those things because you got to be perfect. And um, you know, it's the NFL; it's hard. So that's it. I'm gonna sign off. I'm gonna get you guys some stuff on the OBR this week. I'm gonna look at why Mayfield's pushing out right. I got those four goal line plays broken down so you can see what the hell happened. I don't know. I love that you guys support it. Uh, I'm going to try to to steer away from too much Twitter because everybody just seems to get mad at me. So I'm going to do less game day tweeting and more uh, you know, information packing and stuff like this podcast and stuff on the OBR. So we'll still get the information out. That's what's important. I hope you guys at least had a little bit of fun watching the game. Cool to be on primetime. It's been 11 years since I've been on Sunday Night Football. As it was unique. The stadium was rocking. The environment was, was freaking awesome. And, uh, you know, I really hope everybody who went enjoyed it and can take that little silver lining away from it. Um, But, yeah, we'll get one more of those primetime home games that Thursday against Pittsburgh. That'll be cool to watch, too. So uh, we'll come back. We'll come back with a Ravens preview this week. Uh, You know, last week being in Wyoming was hell. I apologize for not getting a Rams preview up. Hell in terms of getting content up there in the middle of – you know, the middle of nowhere with no internet. So not a big deal. We'll get this stuff up. We'll keep going, plugging away. One and two, it sucks, but there are two other 0-3 teams in the division right now. Could be worse. You can climb out of this thing and go to 2-2, two and two, the same record as the Ravens uh, next week, you know, on Sunday if they if they figure it out and, uh, and play well. So that's it. That's all. I'm signing off. Subscribe to iTunes, other great Blue Wire podcasts out there that have great content, guys. I urge you to follow them. And, uh, and learn about other teams because there's a lot of fun stuff out there on Blue Wire. So uh, we'll be back Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll see. We'll talk about the Ravens. Until then, take a deep breath. Life goes on. Sun's going to come up by the time you listen to this podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.